we are going to be uh, on a topic that you will figure out here in just a second. So I have a definition of a word, and then I want to see if you can tell me what that word is. So here's the definition. A person who acts unwisely or imprudently, a silly person. A fool. A fool. Wow, that's pretty good. You guys got it. All right, so to start it off, I have some jokes about a fool. I hope you guys will enjoy them. Here's one. Why did the fool climb the glass wall? To see what was on the other side. Very good. Very good. How did the fool break his arm raking leaves? Do you know what it is? No? He fell out of the tree. What happened to the foolish tap dancer? She fell in the sink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That was a bad one. A bad one. Here's another one. How do you get a one-armed fool out of a tree? Wave at him. Somebody said it. You wave at him. All right, here's, here's one more. How do you make a fool laugh on a Sunday? Tell him a joke on Saturday. Ah, yeah. Okay, here's my favorite one. This is the last one. How do you keep a fool in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow. Ah, that's a good one. I like that one. That one's my favorite one. So today we are addressing the, the subject of a fool. But that's not all. I believe that no one here today would say that you want to be a fool. I, I could be wrong, but I would imagine none of us, our goals, our aspirations for 2020 is, this year I want to be a fool. It's not really something that people set a goal for. However, we often see foolishness in our culture. Not only are we going to see what the Bible says about the fool, but we are also going to see what the Bible says is worse than a fool. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 1, it says, As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. Snow in the summertime doesn't typically happen, right? We live in Ohio, so the weather can be kind of funky sometimes. But if it were to snow in the summer, it would be weird. It just doesn't really happen. It's not common. Fools do not usually receive honor. Honor comes to those who are worthy of honor, not somebody who would be a fool. Verse 2, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Just like a bird flying with no place to land, they have no purpose. So is the foolish man's cursing. They, they say things that are foolish. They, they curse others. They, they say things to put others down with no real purpose. They're just saying it just to say it. Verse 3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the, fool's for the fool's back. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Here he tells us kind of how we have to deal with fools. Just like a horse needs a whip and a donkey needs a bridle, foolish people are so stubborn that it would sometimes literally take a rod to their back. Not that we should do that, but they are that foolish that that's how much it would take. He also tells us that foolish people are hard to deal with. I don't know if you caught it. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. And then directly afterwards, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So the first thing it says is, don't answer him. And then right away after that, it says, do answer him. This tells me, okay, they're hard to deal with. When a person is being foolish, you have, to, you have to, sometimes there's going to be times where you just need to ignore them, and there's going to be other times where you just have to address their foolishness and say, hey, this is foolish, don't do that. So it's going to be difficult. A foolish person is hard to deal with. Verses 6 through 8, he that sendeth a message 
by the hand of a fool cut off, cutteth off the feet, and drinketh damage. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. He's saying, if you want a job done right, don't trust a fool. It's like, it's like hurting yourself or trusting yourself to trust a fool. It's hurting yourself when you trust a fool with something important to you. You've heard the saying, if you want a job done right, do it yourself, right? That's how it is with a fool. Do not trust them to do something that's important to you. When a fool tells a story, they cannot be trusted. If you trust a fool, you are doing something foolish, like tying a rock into a sling, right? The biblical slings, they were, uh, it was like a long strap of leather. You put the rock in the center, grab both ends, swing it around, and release one end, and let the rock go flying, right? So what would happen if you bound or tied the rock to the sling? What would happen when you let go? Nothing, Nothing, or it might swing around and hit you in the face even. So it's not going to be good, right? It's not going to go where you want it to. It's just going to come back around, maybe even hurt you in the process. So he's saying it would be trusting a fool would be like doing, would be like binding a rock in a sling. He says in verse 9, As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. A foolish man handles things lightly as if they don't matter, and it ends up hurting themselves. Just like a drunk man would be with a piece of wood, not caring what it is, they may end up with a splinter because they don't care what it would be. That's how a foolish man is with serious matters. Verses 10 and 11, The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. God gives people what is due to them. The fool will get his own foolishness. The fool will continue to go back to his foolish deeds. Just like a dog returns to its own vomit. How many of you have ever seen a dog eat its own vomit before? It's disgusting, isn't it? It's just nasty. It's like, why would you ever do that? And I I love how God puts that as a visual for us. We see that and it's like, you are gross, dog. Like, and you're gonna come lick me afterwards. It's just it's disgusting, right? We want nothing to do with it. It makes no sense. And God gives us this visual. Hey, for the foolish person to go back to their foolish deeds, it's just like a dog eating its own vomit. It's disgusting. It doesn't make any sense. Skip to verse 13 through 16. Laziness, here he gives us a few signs of foolishness. Laziness is a sign of foolishness. This lawful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom, it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. A lazy person makes excuses. He says, there's a lion in the way, there's a lion in the streets. It would literally be like me, I live uh, right down the road, Bennington Pond Apartments, just right down the street. It would be like me calling Pastor Tony and saying, hey... I can't come into work today because, you know, there could be a lion in the streets and a lion in the way that could kill me. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's, it's just a, an excuse. He's saying a slothful man makes excuses for why they can't be doing work. A lazy person lays in bed. He says they turn back and forth like a door on its hinges. Doors just swing back and forth. That's what a lazy person does in their bed. They just roll back and forth. A lazy person does not take the time to care for himself. A lazy person thinks highly of himself. He thinks his opinion is greater than seven men who can think straight. 
That's what he thinks about himself. He thinks, hey, I'm just smarter than you, but you guys are doing all the work. I get to be lazy, and the work still gets done, right? He thinks, I'm wiser than you are. Verse 17, he that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh the dog by the ears. Being a busybody and nosiness are signs of foolishness. Laziness was a sign of foolishness, so is being a busybody and nosiness. This is butting into someone's business that isn't your own, and it never ends well when you do that. How many of you, whenever you see a fire truck or an ambulance or even a police car, you're like, what's going on? That's how I am, and I always am just drawn to it, and I want to figure out, hey, what's the issue? What's the problem? It's being a busybody. It's being nosy. It's really none of my business, and when I do that, it can be foolish. Very rarely do I ever, you know, follow it and see what actually is going on. But I am curious, and I'm nosy in that way. That's something that I have to work on. But he says that it's like grabbing a dog by the ears. I don't think that I've ever done that, but I'm pretty sure it would not be a good idea to grab a dog by the ears. I just don't think you're going to have a good time letting go without getting eaten. (laughs) Verse 18 and 19, As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? Another sign of a foolish man is doing wrong and then saying, Just kidding. I was just joking. It's all a joke. I didn't really mean it. This is not a harmless act. What you say and do has an effect on people. Amen. He says, As a madman, as a crazy man, casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. These are serious things. They're nothing to joke around with. And then the guy just says, am I not in sport? I'm just kidding, right? That's something that we find ourselves saying sometimes is, I'm just kidding or I was just joking. Our words, our actions have a lot of effect on people. They can hurt people. And whether you say you're joking or not, it can still hurt. Somebody can't come up to me and insult me and then say, hey, I was just kidding and me walk away without my feelings being hurt. It just doesn't work that way. When people say, I'm just joking, after, after they insult you or make fun of you, it doesn't cover up the sin. Gossiping is a sign of foolishness. The Bible says in verse 20, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. When no one is there to continue the gossip, guess what happens? The gossip stops. When nobody continues it, it ends. So be the one to stop the gossip. When somebody gossips to you, you can say, hey, that's gossip. I don't want to hear about it, and you shouldn't be spreading it either. When gossip comes to you, end it there. Don't be a tail-bearer, and I'm making this word up, but don't be a tail-listener either. If people are coming to you and telling you things that don't need to be said, don't even bother listening to it. Say, hey, you know what? That's not helpful to them. It's actually going to harm them. I don't need to, I don't need to listen to you because it's not helping. A foolish person is likely to continue to stoke the fire of gossip, though. If you know somebody who's continuously stoking the fire of gossip, trying to fuel this fire and loves to gossip, they are being foolish and you do not want to hang around them. Gossip hurts people. It says that the words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. 
it burns deep, basically. What, what you say about others matters. Is it helpful to be saying this? Is it true? And does me telling this person help the other person at all? Is it, is it beneficial? What you say affects people. It's like a sharp piece of pottery that is covered in silver. It looks nice. It may sound nice. It's fun to gossip, right? But it is dangerous. It's a potsherd covered with silver dross. Looks pretty on the outside. It's dangerous on the inside. Secret hatred is another sign of foolishness. We find this in verse 24. It says, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. How many of you have ever done this? You're walking with a friend maybe, and you say, this is, this is probably more geared toward the teens or people minor Lydia's age, because I know that I've done this. But you're walking, let's say I'm walking with my wife, we're walking somewhere, and I say, I say, hey, how you doing? See somebody, and then we get past each other, and I look at Lydia, and I go, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> how many of you have you've ever done that? You see them in public, and you're like, hey, how's it going? And, oh. I hate seeing them in public even. You know, those kind of people, that secret hatred. That's exactly what this passage is talking about. If you know someone who has this secret hatred, you should not listen to them. It says that when he speaketh fair, it sounds good. Believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. His sin will eventually come out. If you are hiding secret hatred for someone, eventually it will show. God will punish this secret hatred, though. It will come back, and it will hit you hard. It says, whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein. If you're digging this pit of secret hatred, eventually it's going to come back and bite you, and you're going to fall in. He that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. Picture somebody rolling a heavy stone up a hill, and then they're like, ah, I'm done. And then it rolls back down and crushes them. That's what he's saying that this is going to be like for those who have this secret hatred. It's going to come back, and it will hit you hard. Verse 28, lying is a sign of foolishness. He says, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. The Bible says that if you lie, you hate the person you are lying to. A lying mouth brings about destruction. So this is what the Bible says about a fool. A foolish person is characterized as being lazy. They're a busybody and nosy. They do wrong and then say, hey, I'm just kidding. Am I not in sport? They gossip. They have secret hatred. They lie. The Bible is very clear about a foolish person and how wrong that they are to be foolish. So the question is, how many of you after that would want to be a foolish person? Anybody want to be a foolish person? I didn't think so. It's not something that we would want to do. The Bible not only tells us some characteristics of a fool, but it also tells us God's feelings towards foolishness. It says, fools do not deserve honor. Like snow in the summer, it doesn't make sense. Fools need to be tamed like animals. Fools are hard to deal with. Sometimes they need to be ignored. Sometimes they need help. But it's hard to discern when to help them and when to ignore them. Fools cannot be trusted to get the job done. And fools return to their foolishness. Their vomit, as the Bible puts it. 
Foolishness is something that I definitely want to avoid. I want nothing to do with foolishness after this passage. Because you read it and it's, it's all these verses about foolishness and it just makes me think, wow, I, I never want to be classified as a fool, right? If that's what the Bible has to say about it, I don't want anything to do with it. But I skipped a verse. Did anybody catch it? I skipped a verse. I skipped verse 12. Verse 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. So right in the middle of this condemnation for the foolish, God gives me a smack right in the face, if I'm honest. He spends almost this whole chapter telling us how bad it is to be foolish, but I think he does this to make a point. He says, look, here's 27 verses as to why how bad a fool is and to what they're characterized as. And then he says, seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Ouch. All of those bad things about a fool, but right in the middle, God says, you know what's worse than a fool? A proud person. Somebody who's wise in their own conceit. If you are proud, if you have pride in your heart, you are worse than those 27 verses. There's more hope for that fool than for you being proud. Hits home, doesn't it? It's like, man, (laughs) that's pretty bad. So when I am foolish, I am worse than all the foolishness in the rest of that chapter. I'm worse than that dog eating its vomit. I'm worse than grabbing a dog by its ears, than falling into a pit, than a rock rolling down on me, than an excuse-making, bed-turning, lazy person. All of those things that just seem so bad, so foul, so nasty, like a dog eating its own vomit. When I choose to be proud, I'm worse than that. The sad thing is, is I do it. I choose to be proud sometimes. I have to fight it every day, but pride invades our lives. God tells us in James chapter 4 that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. For me, this sheds a little light as to why, right? This whole list of how bad foolishness is, but pride is worse. No wonder God says, hey, I resist those who are proud. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to, is to hate evil. Then he says, Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. God says that he hates pride. Pride is worse than all of what this whole chapter is condemning. That whole list of things, everything describing what a foolish person is. And then he says, Look, there's more hope for a fool than for you if you're being proud. really makes me have to sit and think. So I've learned quickly uh, while being in ministry, while we haven't been in it for super long, I've learned quickly uh, that the devil will fight against you hard. Um, As Christians, I know that you know this, but I've realized it even more so, I guess, being in ministry, that he's just going to fight. He's going to try to discourage you, tempt you, make you less effective in any way that he can. He wants to take away all passion, focus, and direction distracting you from God's purpose in your life. The other night, I was uh, just a little discouraged. I, I honestly can't give any like, reason behind it other than just the fact that the devil was attacking me. Um, I just, he just puts thoughts in your head uh, like, hey, you're too young. Uh, you don't deserve this position. Um, 
you're not good at speaking. You don't know enough about the Bible. You just, you shouldn't be a pastor. And he puts these thoughts in my head, not literally for no reason at all, other than just to discourage me. And I was just a little discouraged. No reason. I couldn't tell you why, other than the fact that the devil was just trying to make me less effective. I was listening to a sermon by Craig Groeschel. Uh, he's a pastor. He does a, a podcast, and I listen to his podcast pretty frequently. And he was talking about a time in his ministry when he was really down. And he said that uh, he, they, him and his wife, they had the, the fastest-growing um, young adult singles ministry in their area of the country. Uh, he said that they were running hundreds in their young adult ministry, which is huge. So they had this huge young adult ministry, and he said within a matter of weeks, they went from running hundreds to their lowest night, they had four. And two of those people were he and his wife. So they really only had two people show up. Uh, some, I, I don't know what happened to the ministry. I don't know that there was any explainable reason for what did happen to it. It just did. The ministry shrunk like crazy. So he, obviously he was very discouraged at this point and he didn't really know what to do. And he said, I remember the time. He said, I feel as if God audibly spoke to me. He said, it wasn't audible, but I, I, it felt that way. And he says this, I quote, he says, be careful. This is what he felt God said to him. Be careful. Don't blame yourself for the declines. Because if you blame yourself for the declines, one day you might take credit for the increases. And I heard that and I thought, man, I'm discouraged for, for literally no reason other than the fact that the devil is trying to fight me. And it's pride, honestly. It was my own pride setting in. I was thinking, hey, I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm too young. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And I let it discourage me, and it was pride. And I read this, and it's, hey, that pride is worse than all of that foolish person. Why would I ever think that? I know this, and you know this, that, that the devil tries to discourage us. He tries to, to fight us, and he tries to tell us, hey, you can't do this. You're not made to do this. You're not good enough to do this. And it's pride. I let pride get the best of me. I was trusting in myself when I should have been trusting in God. If I kept trusting in myself when our, our ministry really is doing just fine right now, God's, God's doing things in our ministry. If I trust in myself now, if our ministry blows up and it starts doing crazy good, I'm going to start taking credit for it. So it's a good uh, check for me. Why am I trusting in myself or am I trusting in God through this? In Christ, I can do this. Without Christ, it's just pride. It's me taking the credit for it. So this passage, Proverbs 26, tells us how God feels about foolishness, but it also tells us a little bit more about how God feels about pride. It sheds a little light on how God feels about pride. I, I'm not going to lie, I heard my dad actually preach this message in a Sunday school, the first time I ever heard it, and it really kind of opened my eyes as to what pride was, how God felt about pride. Because we read in the Bible that, that there's abominations, pride is one of them, God hates pride, all these different things. But this kind of helped clear it up to me. Because he explained foolishness and how bad foolishness is, then says, but hey, pride is worse than that. So take what all that was, multiply it times two or something, and that's what God feels about pride. It is not a good thing. This passage, more than anything, makes me want to avoid both. 
So this week, I want to challenge you to strive to be humble and wise and not proud and foolish.